Well, I am wondering what you heard in the scripture reading this morning. It's a familiar story, isn't it? And could simply be summed up by saying it's the conversion of Saul to Paul. It's when Saul, the Roman citizen and persecutor of the early disciples, becomes Paul, the eventual saint of the early Christian churches, the author of a large part of our New Testament. But there is so much more packed into this little story. So I'm wondering, what did you hear in the scripture reading this morning? And I'm going to challenge you for a minute to pause the video and think about what you heard in the scripture reading. And if nothing comes to mind, maybe you even rewind the video and listen to the scripture reading again and gaze at the artist's rendition of this story. What do you notice? Or maybe even pause the video and pull out your own Bible and read the story for yourself. Acts 9, verses 1 through 20. I would love for you to email me this week about what message you heard in your reading of this passage. And here's why. A few weeks ago, I mentioned in one of my sermons that author Lisa Sharon Harper cautions us to not thin down the gospel, but to work to develop a thick faith. And one of her suggestions that I shared with you in that sermon was that we should not only rely on what our pastors have to say on Sunday mornings and their interpretation of the scripture, but to study scripture yourself, maybe read and study with a small group. Well, the proof of the importance of this advice played out this week. You see, I facilitate a group on Mondays, and this summer we've been reading the scripture and looking at the art that goes with this Unraveled series, and then discussing what we're hearing and seeing. We hadn't gotten to the scripture we read today, so I casually mentioned to the group that if they had time to do so, I would be happy to hear their thoughts as I was preparing my sermon on this particular text and artwork. Well, dear Nanette Farina, thankfully, took me up on that challenge, and her insights are prophetic. It is also really interesting to see how the very same text can be interpreted similarly, but also differently. Well, that alone is an important message on several levels, for as Lisa Sharon Harper advises, studying scripture and not just relying on your pastors is an important step in your own faith development. Secondly, you've probably heard the phrase, God is still speaking. And the different interpretations that Nanette and I have are also evidence that God speaks to us, not only through the ancient words, but through each of us as we interpret the text through our own lens of lived and sacred experiences. And finally, the use of artwork and an artist's interpretation of the text further enhances our experience of God still speaking. So let me share what Nanette and I heard in this story. When I first read the scripture again last week, I found myself wanting to skip over the central theme that is Saul's conversion. I did what maybe some of you did. I pretty quickly jumped to, yes, yes, I've heard this story a million times, how could I possibly find or hear anything new or a fresh way to tell the story that would be meaningful today? Well, Nanette's observations of Saul's conversion, on the other hand, literally took my breath away. 
And here is what she wrote. Saul became physically blinded on the road to Damascus, but even before this encounter, he was already blinded by his prejudice. His threats were against people he had never seen and therefore didn't even know. Saul's mental blindness was based on prejudice, a fear of change, fear of people who were different, and a fear that he would lose control of the life that he had. He was self-righteous. His way was the only way. His threats were against unknown strangers. Saul's sudden physical blindness forced him to be dependent on others for survival. He had to put his trust in strangers, his enemies even. He could no longer judge by what he could see. When those scales fell away from his eyes, his view of others was now based on the character and compassion of others. Well, Nanette's thoughtful reflection, of course, begs this question. How is God speaking to each of us today through this story? How are we blinded by our own prejudices, even with our eyes wide open? What are we missing? Like Saul, how are we so sure that our way is always the right way? And short of knocking us over with a flashing light from heaven, how is Jesus trying to get our attention so that we might recognize our own blindness? Well, I am grateful that Nanette highlighted this part of the story for us. But the character that I really wanted to focus on was Ananias. And I have to admit, I hadn't remembered his role in this story. And his role is an important one. So I was more interested in discovering the message that God might be trying to tell us through looking by looking at Ananias. But again, Nanette and I interpreted the story a bit differently. So you'll remember from the scripture that it is Ananias, one of the disciples in Damascus, who is also visited by the Lord. The Lord tells Ananias to go look for this man of Tarsus named Saul so that he might lay hands on him so that he would regain his sight. What I noticed about Ananias was the risk that he was going to have to take to go visit this man who had been described as breathing threats and murderous plots. This man who was well known at that point as dangerous and vigilant in his persecution of anyone who claimed to follow the way of Jesus. Well, the story of Ananias made me stop and question whether or not I would have the courage to follow Christ's direction and go to help this man. And maybe I related to Ananias because what I heard in the story was him hesitating, almost stalling for time, trying to remind God as if God needed reminding that this Saul character was dangerous. And as I wondered if I noticed Ananias hesitating to follow the Lord's direction, I had to pause to consider how I might sometimes hesitate to follow God's will. I heard Ananias saying, uh, yeah, God, are you sure this is what you really want me to do? You know, this might change my life in ways that I don't really want it to change. And God says, yes, 
yes, this is exactly what I want you to do. In fact, Saul is my chosen vessel. And so Ananias goes, and I'm left hoping that I would do the same. But our dear Nanette interpreted the story this way. Ananias followed Jesus without question. He stepped into a situation that threatened his life without hesitation. He gave his hands to do God's work. He became the catalyst for change. God chose him to transform Saul into Paul. His hands became God's grace. I want to repeat that. His hands became God's grace. Nanette concludes, I feel that the message for me is that I too have the potential to show God's grace to others. I need to listen to God and find the path that I must take to do this. Beautiful. Well, if you don't know Nanette personally, you may not be aware that she is an artist. She is a talented painter in our watercolor class, and she is a master quilt maker. And so I was especially interested in what she observed in the painting this week. And interestingly, we both focused on the hand portrayed in the painting. I noticed how Ananias' hand seemed to be reaching out to Saul so tenderly. But then I was also intrigued by the golden orb surrounding his hand and wondered why the halo, if you will, wasn't surrounding Saul. Wasn't he the main character of this story after all? And so I went back and read what the artist of this painting had to say. Lyle Gwyngarity wrote this about her painting. Ananias' conversion is the most courageous of them all. He risks everything, including his own life, to come close to the one with the power to have him stoned. Only in the moments when Ananias' fingers touch Saul's eyes does Saul see, for the first time, the image of the divine in one who is not his enemy, but his brother. In this image, a halo hovers around the hand of Ananias, nodding to the sacred courage required to melt the hatred of his oppressor with intimacy and connection. Scales pour out of Saul's eyes, purging him, cleansing him, igniting him with a new and particular mission to pour out God's grace wherever humans try to limit it. Hmm. Another call to have not just courage, but sacred courage to become instruments of God's grace. And Nanette's observation of the painting was this. My first impression was that the hand of God was creating a new person. It reminded me of Michelangelo's painting on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel with God's outstretched hand forming Adam. Just as God created Adam and each one of us, God is creating a new person in Paul made possible by the courage of Ananias to follow God's will. What beautiful possibilities of new creation this story presents. A man, blinded by his prejudice, breathing hatred, becomes physically blinded 
and must rely on the kindness of strangers and his perceived enemies to be healed. An unlikely character who questions God's call or who jumps at the chance to serve, depending on how you interpret the story, regardless, finds the sacred courage to simply offer an outstretched hand and completely changes this man's life and the course of history. And through it all, God's grace flows freely. Although Nanette, although Nanette and I heard God speaking in different ways through this story, I think our prayer is the same. May we be so blessed to consider our own blindness that our own scales fall away and we will muster the sacred courage to be God's hand of grace to those in need. And frankly, aren't we all in need of God's grace? Amen.